Welcome to Everyday Buddhism, making every day better by applying the proven tools found in Buddhist concepts. Welcome to episode 34 of Everyday Buddhism, making every day better. It's a very special episode because I'm excited to announce the official launch of my book, Everyday Buddhism, Real Life Teachings and Practices for Real Change. As a celebration, I will share a few of my thoughts about why I wrote this book uh, and a few snippets from the book, plus announce a special offer to my tribe of Everyday Buddhism podcast listeners. I can't wait to share the result of the last year of my hard work with all of you. The official book launch is scheduled for Monday, November 25th. But at the end of this episode, I will let you know about a special promotion. A special promotion that's especially for my podcast listeners. As you know, I've talked about, I've been through a bit of a whirlwind, retiring from the career coaching part of my business and focusing pretty much exclusively as much as I can on the book and book launch, um, this podcast and the everyday sangha and other ideas I'm cooking up. Yet saying I retired is a bit of a misnomer. I'm still finishing up with clients who I've been in process with and other clients who I just can't say no to. So I've been juggling a lot of jobs and trying to give them my complete attention. But as things go, as you all know, um, you you cannot be a, a multitasker. Um, so I think some things are slipping through the cracks, but I'm hoping certainly not this podcast and certainly not the book because that's where my focus was and the podcast was too. Maybe my clients, uh, uh, I've missed a few emails and stuff, but um, definitely uh, my work for them has been still 100%. But also, I have news. I have a couple of special guests lined up for podcast episodes coming up soon, plus ideas for guests in the new year. Um, but for this episode, it's all about the book. You know why I wrote this book? Because of all of you. I had so many requests for detailed show transcripts and for book recommendations and also questions about whether I had written a, or a book or whether I would write a book that I just I felt it was an indication that I should just do that write a book although I have a recommended book list as a file on the podcast Facebook group it seemed like I needed to write a book in the same spirit and tone of the podcast, the same spirit and tone that I give to the podcast. As longtime listeners of this podcast know, my presentation of Buddhist teachings and practices in this podcast focus on sharing, quote, tips and tricks to make Buddhism relevant to our everyday lives. 
so that the ultimately practical wisdom of the Dharma doesn't languish in the books piled on our nightstands. So my hope with this podcast has been to help you up your game. It's one thing to read book after book after book on Buddhism. It's easy to do, I know. Buddhism, as a theoretical subject, is a fascinating study. I know, because I've been there. I spent many years studying Buddhist concepts without applying them quite as deeply as I could as practices in my own life. And I don't think Buddhism is unique in this sort of thing. I think there are many theology students, professors, and academics, you know, across Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, I mean, Judaism, that don't necessarily practice. It's the same in Buddhism. Some refer to it as Buddhology. All the theologies and religious philosophies capture my intellectual curiosity. It's all very fascinating as a subject. But was it something I had direct experience with beyond the experience of reading about it? This is what I realized some 25 plus years ago when I decided I had to up my game. And with this podcast and now with my book, I want you to feel inspired to up your game. And you know what? Many, many of you have already shared that you've done just that. Incorporating what you heard and reflected on in your everyday lives and sharing with me that In doing so, it made your lives better. And I'm thrilled that I hear these reports from you in your own voices. It's like the email I received just this past Tuesday from a listener who wrote in her own beautiful and unique words, quote, This episode left me so motivated for work. It's funny how we flirt with some of these thoughts in corporate training But nothing is as clear and heart-mind opening as your description of right livelihood and how work cannot just be a source of income like a prison we go to each day to pay bills, but a place where we can bring our whole selves and grow. You inspired a new favorite thought. I cannot afford to go to Tibet, but I can afford to go to work. Unquote. This is testimony of how a listener upped her game, how she ingested and digested the teachings so that she was able to express them in her own voice. You know, in the very beginning of my book, I included this quote from Stephen Batchelor, and it's from his book, Secular Buddhism, Imagining the Dharma in an Uncertain World. I included it to sort of set the tone of the whole book, what I was trying to say. Quote, Discarding all elements of supernaturalism and magical thinking, one returns to the mystery and tragedy of the everyday sublime. Instead of nirvana being located in a transcendent realm beyond the human condition, it would be restored to its rightful place at the heart of what it means 
each moment to be fully human. Rather than devoutly repeating what has been said many times before, you risk expressing your understanding in your own stammering voice, unquote. This introduces my belief that the beautiful wisdom in the Dharma locates nirvana, locates heaven, right here and right now in our human lives as we live them in the moment. You know, there's a holy unholiness about the Dharma. Or maybe I should say the holiness of everyday life. That holiness is too often dismissed, trampled on, and ignored in search for the quote-unquote spiritual. In the pages of my book, as in each episode of my podcast, I hope to reveal a little glimpse of the spiritual, the holiness of each of our lives. I'll share a bit from the introduction in my book, which frames how I present Buddhism as I studied it and as it became a part of me. Quote, when I first began to seriously study Buddhism, I was overwhelmed by the number of lists. Actually, I still am and never thought I'd be able to remember any of it. But as I began to incorporate them into my contemplation and daily living, it became easy for me to appreciate their practical value. They are all there as directions or guideposts, helping us to answer the question, how do we live to be happy? How do we live to make life meaningful? I will be using the Four Noble Truths as the backbone for this book, but I've repurposed them in a way that makes sense for you to use in your daily life. You know, I'm not throwing away the traditional teachings that the Buddha awakened to, but I am repackaging them so that they are easy for us to use in our daily lives. I also hesitate to refer to them as either, quote, noble, unquote, or truths, because both the word noble and the word truth are words loaded with connotations that position them as edicts on high in the sense of ultimate truths one must believe as part of a religious canon or doctrines you must accept. Buddhist teachings can help you to be happy and help others to be happy too. I'm avoiding language that emphasizes what you must believe, but instead what you should try to practice and see if it helps. You know, from the writings that come down to us in Buddhist sutras, the Buddha didn't seem really interested in these uh, truths or these uh, supernatural or spiritual edicts. He refused to answer those sticky metaphysical questions like, are we eternal or is there a God? Instead of having philosophical and metaphysical arguments, he stuck to the here and now and offered suggestions that help deal with the dissatisfaction and suffering inherent in our human lives. 
So rather than having truth proclaimed and delivered to us, the Buddha taught that it was more important for each of us to deal with these issues in our own minds. Then we can become believers. So even though I am hesitant to use the term noble truths, I will continue to refer to the four main points of the Buddha's teaching as the noble truths because that is how you'll find them referred to when you explore them more deeply in your own research and reading. But another reason to use the word noble is that the origin of the word noble derives from the Greek no, G-N-O, as in gnosis, meaning wisdom or inner illumination, and the Latin meaning to get to know or to find out. So it comes back to you getting to know or finding your inner wisdom, your Buddha nature. I offer another way of looking at the word noble, And that's as a courageous and authentic response to your life as it is. And the word truth as something you have made true for your life by your own practice and experience. So the four noble truths are traditionally expressed this way. One, the first truth, the unenlightened life is suffering. That life is suffering is the bad news of Buddhism. Yet, A better translation of the dukkha, or suffering, is difficult or unsatisfactory. The second noble truth is the cause of this suffering is craving, or attachment, or grasping. When you like something, you want to grab it, possess it, keep it forever. This stems from ignorance about the nature of reality, the nature of what it is that really makes you happy. And the third noble truth is that the cessation or the stopping of dukkha, the stopping of suffering is possible. And that end is liberation or the realization of nirvana or enlightenment, the bliss or inner freedom. And the fourth noble truth is that the path or way to to the end of suffering is explained through the teachings of the Eightfold Path, which is the practice to achieve happiness for yourself and others, and eventually enlightenment. Now, the first two of these truths are sometimes referred to as those to be known, and the second two as to be experienced or realized. It's experience and realization that make these four points truth for you. They cannot be truth based on someone else's word alone. You need to experience or realize them for yourself. And how I propose you do that is through the practical concepts you can put into practice through the Eightfold Path. But to help us look at the Four Noble Truths in the more everyday way that we talk about in this podcast, I've reframed them while still adhering to the essence of what the Buddha taught. I certainly don't believe I can improve on the Buddha's teaching, but in following the Buddha's approach of customizing teachings to the concerns and situations of the audience, I've rephrased them this way, the everyday Buddhism way. Number one, awareness. Awareness of 
Life is crappy sometimes, and we suffer. This is the awareness and understanding we need to get familiar with and know to be the truth of our human existence. Awareness prevents fear and confusion. Awareness is the first principle of the Buddhist teaching because it is necessary to first be aware of how things really are before we can begin to accept, appreciate, and act in the ways we must act to minimize our own and other suffering. The second truth, acceptance. We suffer not necessarily because life is crappy. I'm sure we've all had the experience of being relatively content even when we are in a crappy phase of life. We don't suffer because of the circumstance in our lives, but because we grasp or cling to things being something other than they are. We grasp at things we want and don't have, and we grasp at getting rid of the stuff we don't want. The way to ease or eliminate that suffering is to learn to adopt an attitude of active acceptance. As my sensei and his father, Gyome Kabose, taught, quote, acceptance is transcendence, unquote. And the third everyday Buddhism noble truth is appreciation. Appreciation because there is a way out. The way out offers a path of sincere appreciation for the teachings of the Buddha and the new awareness and acceptance that we now have for life as it is. This is the appreciation phase. When we stop focusing on things we want but don't have or pushing away things we have but don't want, the things that that are right in front of us take on a new shine. We truly begin to experience life. We appreciate everything in our life. And the fourth noble truth is action. The way out is practicing the Eightfold Path. This is the action path. When we are aware of things as they are and we begin to accept and appreciate life as we experience it, the right actions become more obvious and sensible to us. Right, quote-unquote, actions are the way the actions of the Eightfold Path are phrased as the right actions to take. Yet we need to chill a bit around that rightness of right. These are not like commandments or moral directives, but suggestions about what actions may be the most effective. When studying and practicing the Eightfold Path, relaxing your grip on the necessity of rightness or having to do certain things exactly the way you interpret this rightness will be beneficial for you. Think of the word right in this respect as the suggestions of your trainer or your yoga teacher or your piano teacher or your golf pro. Those suggestions are suggestions for you based on the way you do things and the way that would help your practice. So in our wish to make life meaningful or live to be happy, we see that Buddhism can be a refuge and a roadmap for transforming ourselves so that all our activity becomes meaningful activity. We don't look 
for meaningful activity to transform us, but through our own transformation, life becomes meaningful. Our mind, when properly prepared, becomes fertile soil for the bloom of compassion and wisdom, which is a fruit benefiting both ourselves and all other beings. We must become the peace we seek. Unquote. So that was a long snippet from my book that I hope you're about to um, pick up a copy of. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, the official book launch is scheduled for this coming Monday, November 25th. But I will have a one-day half-price promotion on the Kindle version, especially for podcast listeners running on one day, Sunday, November 24th. That's tomorrow or today if you're listening to this podcast because it probably won't be released till today, (laughs) Sunday. So hurry over to my website, www everyday-buddhism.com and click on the link to the Kindle book at the very top of the webpage. You will find a link to both the paperback and the Kindle ebook. And for one day only, Sunday, November 24th, you can order the ebook for half price. I appreciate any and all book purchases and would love it if you left reviews on the book page on Amazon. Reviews are very helpful to me and to other seekers who would be who would benefit from reading the book and upping their own games. So think of leaving a review as a practice of right effort, right speech, and right action. And don't forget, if you would like to become a sponsor of this podcast and set up a recurring or one-time donation, go to the donate tab on my website, www.everyday-buddhism.com to be a supporter of everything Everyday Buddhism will hopefully grow to be. And also, don't forget, if you would like to talk with me and others about these podcast episodes and Everyday Buddhism subjects, consider joining the Everyday Buddhism Sangha. We recently had... A couple, few, a couple, two, three, actually, new members join. So it's a growing, vital, supportive, and compassionate group of people to share our everyday lives through a Buddhist lens. The Sangha meets live via, via Zoom video conference every other week, and the details are on the main page of the website. So until next time, keep making your everydays better. <laughs>